Well, let me just pray for us, and then we'll, uh, we'll dive in. God, I just thank you so much that we can come here today, Father, and worship you. Uh, open up your word together. Um, hopefully uh, allow your words to, to sink into our hearts and transform us, God. I pray that you uh, speak to each one of us in a special way today as we uh, take a look at a few passages here and, and consider um, what the resurrection means uh, for every day of our lives, Father. Uh, thank you for this group of people and their love for you and their love for this city and, and everyone around them, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we're continuing. We started on Easter talking about the resurrection. Um, and we were doing a four-part kind of mini-series at our Renewal Nights here. Just talking about uh, this, this term, this reality, resurrection. We started with obviously talking about the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, the resurrection of ourselves, the resurrected life. Uh, in a couple weeks, David is going to share on a resurrected community, what it looks like to live in a community in light of the resurrection. And then um, finally, we'll spend some time talking about the resurrected world, okay, what God is doing in the world um, uh, to, to resurrect it uh, in, in unison with, with Jesus' resurrection. So uh, today we're going to spend uh, most of our time in John, just looking at a few passages throughout John. Um, just a little, little kind of reminder from last week or two weeks ago, uh, we talked about Jesus' first appearance after he rose from the grave and he appeared to Mary Magdalene, right? And we talked about how, you know, it was, it, it was a pretty unremarkable scene. Okay? It was, it was simple. It was quiet. Uh, Mary's this, uh, um, just kind of, uh, unimportant, definitely, um, un, uh, uh, or, uh, imperfect, woman, um, by all means insignificant in the world, yet she's the one as she stands by the empty tomb weeping, wondering where the body of Jesus had gone, Jesus chooses to uh, walk up to, reveal himself to. Uh, And it's so unremarkable that Mary, who is crying, sobbing over Jesus, doesn't even recognize Jesus when he walks up. uh, She thinks he's the gardener, right? Um, and what, what I talked about is that's actually, you know, the perfect mistake to make. It, it really uh, gives us a perfect picture of who Jesus is and what he came to do. And we spent some time talking about um, how Jesus being the gardener is, is just a beautiful image for us as we consider the resurrection uh, for our lives and in the world. Um, during our time on, of worship on Easter, Katie encouraged us to just do, jot down a word or phrase or question that stuck with you from uh, our time processing the resurrection, whatever God put on your heart. Um, and to simply just meditate on that, uh, you know, every day for, for the weeks following. And I, I would just love to hear just quickly, you know, maybe one of you or a few of you have something that, that God put on your heart that you just want to share from that. Um, don't mean to put anyone on the spot, but is there something that just stuck with you that, that God has put on your heart either on Easter and the weeks following that, that just just stood out to you. Be a blessing to all of us.
were prior and we never will be. It just felt like this year, like we knew a little bit more about what we were dealing with and it kind of felt like it was, it was better. Like the world was opening up mm. a little bit more. So mm. it was a little more joyous seeing the trees in bloom, seeing, you know, the, the days get warmer and really looking forward to that warmth and that newness that comes with spring in a way that we didn't have last year yeah. because everything was just closed. It was sad. Yeah, it was quite different from the Easter the year before, absolutely. Hmm. Anyone else? Well, what really stuck with me, and obviously, you know, I got to talk about it for, for you know, 25 minutes, so I won't, I won't talk about it much longer, but just the idea of messiness, right? That Jesus, uh, as the gardener in our lives and in the world, doesn't shy away from the messiness in our lives um, and in the world. In fact, he came precisely because he wanted to step into our mess rather than ask us to get everything cleaned up and, and, and looking, you know, perfect uh, before entering a relationship with him. He wanted to step into that. And, um, you know, the reality is Jesus wants to, um, and I, I think we just, we miss it uh, so much. I know I do. I, I, I know the vast majority of people I talk to miss the idea that Jesus actually wants to be present with us in our mess and in our brokenness and in, in our shame, you know, in the things that we don't want anyone else to step into. Jesus wants to step into that. And it's in that, just like a gardener who in the, the dirt and the mud and the grime, he's got to work through all that in order to bring forth something beautiful. But we don't let him into that place, that place of dirtiness and messiness. Uh, and then he's, he, he can't bring forth uh, the, the beauty of a resurrected life. So that, that for me, just been processing that. Um, it's so easy to just kind of hide away those things that, that um, you know, you're, you're ashamed of and, and the things that are broken about you, and, and I've, I've experienced that as well. So processing that still, today we're going to discuss the resurrected life. Okay, what does the resurrection mean for our everyday lives? What does it look like to experience uh, your own resurrection, to live a life defined by the resurrection? Um, so we're going to start uh, to tackle these questions just by looking at a few stories about one of the disciples who's named Peter. Okay, and, and we're going to look at some stories just surrounding the, the days leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection, the days following that. Uh, and, and Peter is someone that you know, we've actually talked a lot about at our renewal nights over the last few months. Uh, we've gotten to look at a few different stories uh, that where Peter kind of took the focus of that story. Um, so Peter, just a brief reminder, he's a, he was a fisherman okay, who was invited to follow Jesus. He was a Jewish man. Uh, I like to think of him as the guy at the party that you wish you hadn't started a conversation with. Right? He's, he's the one that is always giving his opinion about things. He's quick to speak. Uh, he speaks before he really thinks, and it gets him in trouble. Um, he's the one that, you know, if, if Jesus is asking a question, he's the, the first to answer, right? He kind of, I, I can think of um, when I read stories about him, he's kind of like a teacher's pet a little bit. I, wa- I watch uh, Nicole and I, one of our favorite shows recently is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> and Amy Santiago, like kind of, that's, that's the vibe I get from Peter. A little bit different. I think Peter, 
um, you know, I, I don't know, he's, he might, he's maybe a little bit different, but, but just in terms of, you know, he's always jumping to, he wants to impress Jesus, you know, and, and kind of be the top guy um, in, in, among the disciples. Um, so a couple of the stories that we've explored that include Peter as kind of the focus is, um, you know, a few, probably a couple months back now, David taught on a passage where Peter steps out of the boat onto the stormy waters, right, and walks with Jesus. And it's just this amazing display of boldness and faith. Um, but he begins to think about, you know, what he's actually doing and looks around and, and he, he fear creeps and he begins to sink. Right. So he, he did this you know, bold step or took this bold step literally of faith. Uh, but then once he actually processed it, he, he was he was sinking and Jesus had to save him. Um, a similar story, actually, um, he wasn't physically stepping out in faith, but in Caesarea Philippi, it's actually become one of my favorite passages. Jesus takes his disciples to this place called Caesarea Philippi. Uh, and Peter, at this place, declares, he's the first of the disciples to declare that Jesus is the Messiah. And not only the Messiah, but the Son of God. And it's, again, amazing boldness. Uh, uh, it takes a lot of faith for Peter to do that. Um, but then moments later, Jesus calls him Satan, right? Because he's trying to stop Jesus from, from going to the cross, what Jesus came to do. So, you know, Peter, you know, he... he does some good things, gets himself in trouble. Uh, we can learn a lot from Peter. I think we can see ourselves in Peter uh, a lot of the time. But, uh, you know, you look at all these stories, and I think if we were to ask Peter what his biggest regret was, it wasn't, uh, I don't think it was any of that. I think if he would, he would say his biggest regret was, was the story that we're about to read, denying Jesus, denying that he even knew Jesus as Jesus hung there, dying on the cross. I think Peter would say that it was turning his back on the man who transformed his life, the man who gave him a purpose, the man who invited him to walk with himself every, or every day for three years, the man who loved him even when he was uh, a very unlovable person. So we're going to uh, just kind of walk through three passages pretty quickly, I and mean, we're just going to read them, and, and I'll make a few comments, um, and then we'll pull, pull some stuff from it, but... Uh, we're going to look at Peter and, and his, the days surrounding uh, Jesus' death and resurrection and just kind of the, the transformation that he goes through as a result of the resurrection. So if you would turn with me or look on the screen, uh, we're going to start in John chapter 13, uh, verses 33 through 38. John chapter 13, 33 through 38 says, Dear children, this is Jesus speaking, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Then Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked, I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times, deny that you even, own, uh, that you even know me. 
So, uh, kind of a typical Peter moment. Jesus is giving this super important instruction to his disciples. He says, I'm not going to be here much longer, but when I leave, I want you to love one another. Love one another. He says, that's how you will show the world who I am, by your love for one another. But Peter kind of blows right past that main point. And he, he says, where are you going? Why can't I come? You know, I mean, that, that wasn't the main point of what Jesus was saying. Jesus was trying to tell this is how you're going to show the world who I am by your love for one another. And Peter is concerned. Where are you going? I want to go with you. You know, it's again, it's just it's kind of, you know, the norm for Peter, it seems. But then we, we see this. Peter says, uh, um, Jesus says, no, you can't come with me. And Peter says, come on, Jesus, you know, I would I would go anywhere for you. I would go anywhere with you. I would do anything for you. He says, I would even die for you. Jesus says, actually, you know, I hate to break it to you, Peter, but by the end of the night, you will deny even knowing me. You won't want anyone to know that you, you walked with me, that you were my disciple. By the time tonight is over, you won't even want to associate with me. That's quite different than wanting to die or go anywhere with him. So Jesus reveals something in Peter that, that Peter uh, uh, doesn't believe is true about himself. So let's fast forward a uh, few chapters. Turns out Jesus is right. And we see in John 19, which by the way, um, just a kind of a side note. This, this happens in all the uh, uh, Gospels. Okay, We just jumped ahead six chapters, right? Remember, this is like a few hours. Okay, I don't know if you've ever noticed that. The Gospels slow down. Most Gospels, the last third or half, is the, the days leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection. Okay, it's like a movie where you, you fly through all these things and you get to the real important part. And it's like the whole movie is about that. So, so just something that to pay attention to uh, is what the Gospel writers are doing. They're, they're slowing down so you really pay attention. This is, this is the most significant part. Okay, and we see that even, um, uh, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this later, but uh, the resurrection is way more broken down and processed than Jesus' death in all the Gospels. Um, so anyway, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about the significance of that. But let's, let's read John uh, chapter 19, starting in verse 15. Um, we're going to go through 18 and then 25 and 27. John chapter 19, verse 15. Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another uh, of the disciples. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, You're not one of that man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I am not. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves. Peter stood with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire, warming himself, they asked him again, You're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, No, I am not. But one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose 
ear Peter had cut off asked, Didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it, and immediately a rooster crowed. So Peter's standing in the courtyard, right? Jesus is inside the, the house, and he's, he's being um, accused of these crimes, and, and the, the, um, the religious leaders are, are encouraging the Romans to, to kill him, to take him to the cross, and Peter's standing there, and he, three times as people question him, do, do, aren't, you, aren't you one of his disciples? Three times he says, no, I am not. And then finally the rooster crows, as Jesus said. And I wanted to read you just briefly uh, Luke's account of this moment because it it highlights uh, just some things that I think are are really interesting. So I'm going to read Luke 22. This isn't on the screen, but you can just listen. It's it's pretty short here. Uh, Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 55. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, This man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, You must be one of them. No, I am not, Peter responded. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. Peter left the courtyard, weeping bitterly. So why does Peter deny Jesus? He doesn't want to die, right? He's afraid, he's afraid to die. He's confused. Jesus, the man he thought who, who came to save Israel from Rome, was now being killed by the Romans at the demand of Israel's religious leaders. No matter how many times Jesus told his disciples this would happen, they still couldn't wrap their minds around who Jesus was and what he came to do. And Peter, uh, who, who days before, or moments before, hours before, said, I would die for you, is now denying that he even knows this man, Jesus, as he heads to be crucified on the cross. So jump ahead to John 21. Again, unfortunately, this is not on the screen, but I'll read it uh, for you all. John 21, this is the last passage. Don, is it? Great. All right, that's up there. I don't know what happened. Um, all right, John 21, starting in verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked, so this is, sorry, this is, Jesus has come back from the dead. He's appeared to his disciples, and now they're sitting around a table having breakfast together. And Jesus turns towards Peter. He says, Simon, son of, John, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeats the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. 
A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would, by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus said to him, follow me. So three times Peter denies Jesus. Three times Jesus invites Peter back into relationship with him. How awesome is this? How beautiful is this? It's such an amazing moment of restoration, of reconciliation. And, and there's so much that, that we can pull out of, of these stories and, and what happens between Jesus and Peter. But I think one important question, uh, at least to begin, is to ask, what changes in Peter at this moment? What changes in Peter at this moment? Well, his relationship with Jesus is restored, right? He, he declares his love for him around that table. And, and later in Acts, we'll see that Peter, uh, he's, he um, speaks boldly about Jesus to thousands of people. Okay, thousands of people. Jesus, he, he's no longer afraid to talk about Jesus, to be known as one who loves Jesus and follows him. So he has a restored relationship. And, and it's so much so that he is willing to die. For Jesus, And that's what Jesus talks about here, where, where he says, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And it says he's talking about the kind of death that Peter would undergo. And, and, and sure enough, Peter, uh, years later, is crucified, just like Jesus, crucified for following Jesus. So he goes from not being willing to, to die, being afraid to die, so afraid that he would deny even knowing Jesus, not want to associate with, with him. To three days later, being willing to die for this man. He goes from denying Jesus to dying for Jesus. And what, what happened in that time? What changed? It's the resurrection. That's the power of the resurrection. That nothing, no fear, no pain, no sin, no amount of brokenness or shame, not even death, can separate us from Jesus. The resurrected life is a life lived within that reality, a life lived with confidence about that truth. Nothing can separate us from Jesus, and nothing can keep us from the life that he invites us into. So I want to just close with, with four uh, principles for, for resurrection principles from this story. And, and you know, this, this is just stuff that I'm grabbing from Peter's story. I think it's applicable to all of us. Um, you could say more about the resurrection, absolutely. But the, here are four principles uh, of the resurrection from G- Peter's story. And, and these are things that uh, we see in Peter, that, things that must happen in us in order for us to experience our own resurrection. Four things that must happen in us to experience our own resurrection. And I got creative here and I, I did four R words. Okay, so we can remember, you know, resurrection starts with R. These four words start with R. So let me give you the four words and then we'll, I'll unpack them a little bit. 
So it's a, it's a realization, okay? Reconciliation, a response, and, and something that happens repeatedly. So let me, let me unpack that a little bit. Re- resurrection begins with a realization of your own brokenness and helplessness. Remember, I, we just said Peter thought he would die for Jesus. Okay? He said he would go anywhere. He would, he would do anything for Jesus. He would even die for him. Peter uh, didn't believe when Jesus said that he would deny him that, that that would ever come to be. He needed to realize his own brokenness, the own fear that would happen within him. He needed to realize his own helplessness. He needed to, to grasp that his fear of death was greater than his love for Jesus. He needed to realize that he fundamentally misunderstood who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. So seeing Jesus arrested and, and, and seeing him headed toward the cross and denying him three times, hearing the rooster crow, it revealed to him how truly broken and tra- how truly helpless he was. So we need to come to a realization of our own brokenness and our own helplessness. And this could be uh, in many things. Um, I, I think it's, you know, we, we need to have a realization in, in specific things in our lives in, in general, but also specific things. Maybe there's addictions, addictions in your life, things you can't uh, overcome by your own will. And even if you could, it wouldn't really deal with the root problem. Maybe it's a realization uh, of, of the anger that consumes you, anger towards others that you can't control. In an instant, your mood, your thoughts, your actions, they shift in response to something that sparks this anger within you. We need to realize that that, that, that is brokenness inside us, that we are helpless against that. Maybe it's anxiety, stress, insecurity. Maybe it's how you speak of others. We can't help gossiping or, or speaking negatively about others, seeing the worst in people. We, it's much easier to see the brokenness in someone else than it is yourself. That, that reveals our brokenness when we're, we're, we're quick to do that. We all deal with a number of things that we know we can't control, things we've tried uh, to, to control and failed over and over again. And, and you know, may, maybe you're able to muster up a little bit of, of self-control for a period of time, but that issue always seems to come back. Or our brokenness and helplessness reveals itself in another way. Something else comes up. And we can't keep trying to deal with this stuff ourselves. Jesus wants to meet us in this brokenness. And he, he won't force himself into any aspect of our lives. We need to realize our brokenness. We need to realize that we are helpless. And we need to open ourselves, open up our brokenness to Jesus. As I said before, a gardener can't grow anything without first getting into the dirt. Jesus can't do a resurrection in us unless we welcome him into our mess. So the resurrection begins with a realization of your own brokenness and helplessness. The second point is a resurrection is inseparable from reconciliation. It's inseparable from reconciliation with God, with others, and with self. We see that in, in Peter, right? Peter is, is reconciled to, to Jesus. Okay, that's what Jesus does. The, the three times. The three times Peter denied him, 
Three times Jesus invites him to affirm his love for him. Three times Jesus invites Peter back into relationship with him. There's a reconciliation with God in that. And I think there's a reconciliation uh, within Peter. Okay? He's given a purpose, and we'll talk a little bit about this in point three, but he's given a purpose to feed Jesus' sheep, to take care of his flock, to continue his ministry as Jesus leaves. There's a reconciliation within himself. To undergo our own resurrection, we need to experience reconciliation with God, with others, and within ourselves. We need to to, uh, uh, recognize how our brokenness and our sin harms those relationships. How it pulls us away from God. How it pulls us away from one another. And how it destroys ourselves, ourselves inwardly. We need to recognize that. We need to, to experience reconciliation within that. Reconciliation is always part of resurrection. The third point, resurrection is always followed by a response of joining Jesus in his mission. Okay, so there's a response. Peter, right? Jesus doesn't just invite him to say, uh, you know, I, I love you. He, he invites him to, to take part in his mission, take part in his ministry. I think that's so awesome. Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. He says, then do, do my work in this world. Feed my sheep. Take care of my flock. Continue my mission in this world. If you love me, it will be followed by a response. Our resurrection in ourselves is followed by a response of joining Jesus in his mission. It's not a true resurrection if it doesn't involve a reorientation of our lives towards the mission and calling of Jesus. So it's important. Resurrection does not, it never results in a passive personal religion. This private uh, individualistic faith. True resurrection results in a transformed life. True resurrection gives you a purpose. It is followed by action. Joining Jesus in what he is doing in the world. Resurrection is always followed by a response of joining Jesus in his mission. And the last point here, and one thing I think that we we don't realize, um, uh, but resurrection is repeated continually until our final resurrection. Resurrection is repeated throughout our whole lives. Peter had his share of problems after this story. Okay, Peter had his share of problems. He, he wasn't just good at this point. Uh, at one point in Acts, the book of Acts, Peter had to be confronted because he wasn't letting non-Jews share in the meal, the community meal. He discriminated against and excluded a whole people group, people who loved Jesus and wanted to be a part of the community. He discriminated against them and left them out because they weren't Jewish. That, that's pretty bad. Right? That's not a minor issue. That's a big deal. And the point is that, that resurrection is not this one-time experience. Peter had to continually experience resurrection in his life. He had to continually deal with the brokenness and the helplessness in his life and be reconciled. And we do too. We need to experience resurrection every single day. The resurrected life Life with Jesus is a life of continual resurrection. You're continually being renewed and formed in the likeness of Jesus. 
You're continually recognizing your brokenness and helplessness. You're continually experiencing reconciliation in your relationships with God, with others, and within yourself. And you're continually responding to Jesus by stepping further into participation in what he is doing in the world around you. Resurrection happens every day in the life of a follower of Jesus. So let's, let's experience that together. Okay, let's recognize our brokenness and helplessness and let's experience resurrection and reconciliation. And let's respond by stepping into what Jesus has called us to. Let's pray. God, just thank you so much for not leaving us in our mess, Father. Thank you for coming down to this messy, broken world. Uh, not because you, you didn't like what you see, but because you saw the mess of this world and the brokenness of this world and you still loved us. You still loved your creation and, and, and the people that you made, Father. And I pray that we could experience your love at times where, where we are just feel so far from you when, when the brokenness in our lives is just consuming us. I pray that we would experience your love in a greater way than ever before. I pray that we would, we would know that we are never too far gone to meet with you, Father. That we have never messed up enough or, or drifted far enough or, or let the brokenness consume us enough to come before you and be in your presence, Father. I'll pray that you would do a resurrection in us as we come before you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.